Well, this morning um, we begin a series in John's Gospel that will take us up to Easter and beyond. And the title we've given for this series is Suffering Servant, Risen King, Jesus Before and After the Cross. And it seems right in the build-up to Easter for us to focus our eyes on Jesus, the person whom Christians believe Easter is all about. Let me just begin our time by reading again the words um, of verses 25 to 26 of our passage this morning. Jesus' words to Martha upon the death of her brother, Lazarus. Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live, even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. And then Jesus addresses a question to Martha. And it's a question he directs to each one of us here this morning as we look at this passage together. Jesus asks Martha, do you believe this? It's a simple question, but for a grieving sister it is a hard one to answer. A mother leaves her one-year-old son in his room while she goes to wake her husband who is sleeping after completing a night shift a few hours previously. She calls his name to wake him. She shakes his shoulder, but her husband doesn't wake up. He has died of a heart attack in his sleep. He's only in his early 30s. The husband was a Christian. So is his wife. Now she is left alone to raise their son. Jesus' words, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies, and whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Another woman, this time in her 80s, is talking to a younger friend on the telephone. And she's calling from an old people's home um, a year after losing her husband to a series of strokes. She's a Christian. Her husband was a Christian. They both did great things for God during the course of their lives. But now she is frail She is tired. She is lonely. And she says to her friend on the phone, Yesterday I heard a joke. And I thought to myself, I must share that with him. And then I remembered I can't. And she just said, I I miss him. I miss my bill. Jesus' words, I am the resurrection and the life. Do you believe this? When a teenager standing at the front of his church alongside some relatives and family friends and it's the funeral of his father who has died of cancer after being ill for several years and the young man helps carry the coffin out of the church with a number of his closest school friends watching him and as he passes them by his friends can see that he's crying the young man is a Christian so was his father Jesus' words I am the resurrection and the life. Do you believe this? See, that is the question at the heart of our passage this morning. Do you believe this? I would guess that most of us here this morning have experienced some form of bereavement or loss in our lives. Maybe a family member has died, a friend, a loved one. And each of the stories I've just told are people that I know And I've seen something of their mourning and their loss in the face of death. 
I went to the funerals of their loved ones. And at each one, I was struck by just how hard it was to have anything meaningful to say in response to what they were going through. So what do you say to a woman who's lost her husband or a son who's lost his father? It seemed to me the death of a loved one was just so final, so merciless. So I said nothing. I said very little. I opted to keep quiet. But here in John 11, we have Jesus present at the death of a friend. And he does say something. In fact, what he says is about himself. And it stands at the heart of both the Easter story and the heart of the Christian message. Jesus says to Martha, his grieving friend, I am the resurrection and the life. Do you believe this? It might seem like a mockery as you stand there grieving for your brother, but do you believe that the words I'm saying are true? Do you believe that I can overcome death and that I will overcome death for everyone who believes in me? Do you believe this? Jesus asks. And as we come to this passage this morning, that's the question Jesus is asking us. It's a huge question for any of us to answer. Do you believe Jesus' words here? Is the Jesus of John 11 the Jesus in whom you trust? Is the Jesus you believe in strong enough and compassionate enough to overcome death and give eternal life to everyone who believes in him, even when they die? Because the thing is, there are a lot of Jesuses out there today, even in the Christian church. Some Jesuses are very small. They are our special friend, the person who we spend our lives with, but we generally wouldn't go to in a crisis. And some Jesus are very, very big, enthroned in heaven, but miles away from where we are. But we don't meet those Jesuses in John 11. We meet a very different Jesus. We meet an unsettling Jesus. A Jesus who challenges us to believe in him, even in the face of death. So the question Jesus asks of Martha, he asks of all of us. Do you believe this? Do you believe that Jesus is the resurrection and the life? Is the Jesus you trust in able to overcome even death? Let's look at this passage together for a minute. John 11 begins, um, as we just had it read to us, with Jesus and his disciples receiving a message from some old friends. I'll just read verses 1 to 3 for us. Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary, and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. So we're told that Jesus knows this family. He knows the family of Lazarus, Mary and Martha. And he loves this family. This family is precious to him. These sisters can describe Lazarus as the one you love to Jesus. So when Lazarus becomes ill, and seriously ill, Mary and Martha send word to Jesus. Lord, the one you love is sick. It's clear they want Jesus 
to come and help them. They want Jesus to come and heal their brother. But look at how Jesus responds to their message. Verses 4 to 6. When he heard this, Jesus said, This sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory, so that God's Son may be glorified through it. Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Yet when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. See, verse 5 reminds us, if we haven't already understood it, that Jesus does love this family. He loves Martha. He loves Mary. He loves Lazarus. And yet, verse 6, when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. Jesus does not rush to help Lazarus here. He stayed where he was. And that is not what Mary and Martha expected. They would have presumed that because of Jesus' great love for Lazarus, he would have dropped everything to come and heal him. But Jesus doesn't. See, what is Jesus doing here? And to confuse things even more, the NIV is a little misleading in its translation of verses 5 to 6. It translates it, Jesus loved Martha, her sister, and Lazarus, yet when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was. But a more accurate translation of that is that Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus when therefore he heard that Lazarus was sick. He stayed where he was. John is telling us that because Jesus loved this family, he stayed where he was for two more days. Because Jesus loved this family, he didn't rush to heal Lazarus. See, verse 6 completely confounds our expectations of what Jesus would do. We presume Jesus' love for Lazarus means he will rush to help him, to heal him. But instead, we are told that Jesus' love for Lazarus leads him to stay where he is. And as it turns out, to allow Lazarus to die. So what is going on here? Well, there is great mystery in Jesus' decision here. I don't pretend to understand Jesus' actions completely. But what I want to ask us all today is, is this the Jesus you believe in today? Is the Jesus you believe in capable of surprising you? Are you willing to accept that Jesus may have other plans for your life, other plans for the lives of your loved ones, than you might initially wish for yourself or for them? Does the Jesus you believe in ever surprise you? Is he ever a mystery to you? Or is your Jesus predictable? Do you know exactly how your Jesus is going to react? Does your Jesus only ever do what you expect of him? See, if that's the case, then your Jesus is not the Jesus of Scripture. See, Mary and Martha expected Jesus to drop everything and come running to help them, to heal their brother. But Jesus had other ideas. Verse 4 tells us, Jesus is seeking God's glory in the lives of this family. And the rest of the story tells us that for Jesus to be glorified through them, Lazarus had to die before being raised to life. That was not what Lazarus' sisters wanted. But it is how Jesus responded to them. 
So I want to suggest to you that this Jesus of verses 5 to 6 of John 11, he is the real Jesus and he is also the only Jesus worth trusting in and worth worshipping. Again, if your Jesus is predictable, if he only ever gives you what you want, then you haven't understood his love for his people. You haven't understood Jesus' purposes for his people. Jesus' love for us will surprise us at times. Jesus may love us so much and be so committed to us knowing him and trusting in him that he will cause us to go through experiences and struggles that we would never choose for ourselves. Jesus may love us too much to give us a comfortable life, an easy life, a life where all our prayers are answered exactly the way we want them to be. So Jesus' love for us may mean he causes you to experience physical illness. Jesus' love for us may bring us to the absolute limits of our human resources. Jesus' love for us may mean the death of a loved one. See, Jesus may have a purpose for our lives that is hidden from us and that seems utterly wrong to us. See, that's what Mary and Martha would have thought. They presumed that Jesus' will was for Lazarus to be healed. So when Jesus didn't come for several days, something is going wrong. But it wasn't. In verse 4, Jesus knows what he will do for Lazarus. He knows that Lazarus' illness will not have the last word and that God will be glorified through that. But Mary and Martha don't know that at the time. The challenge for them, the challenge for us, is whether we will believe in Jesus and trust in him even when we cannot understand why he is allowing us to go through experiences and struggles we would not choose for ourselves. Will we believe that God's plan for us is good? That God's plan for us is to give us hope and a future even in the face of losing things that are precious to us? Even in the face of death what Paul calls the final enemy. See, Jesus' plans for us may surprise us. Jesus' love for us may allow us to go through periods of pain and questioning. Do you believe in this Jesus? So Martha, when Jesus finally arrives in Bethany in verse 17, wants to talk to Jesus. By that time, Lazarus had been in the tomb for four days and it seems that any hope the sisters had of getting their brother back are long gone. And it's only now that Jesus arrives. The man they thought loved them and their brother. The man they thought was their friend. And when they hear of Jesus' arrival, Mary stays where she is, verse 20. And perhaps it's just because it's too painful for her to see Jesus during this time of mourning. But Martha is different. Martha heads out to meet Jesus. She wants to talk to him about why he did not come earlier. And she wants to understand why Jesus did not respond to their message. She wants to understand why Jesus allowed her brother to die. Just 
read from verse 20. Or verse 21. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. See, as in Luke chapter 10, we meet Mary and Martha elsewhere. Martha is practical and direct in her question. And her words have more than a hint of reproach about them. Lord, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. See, Martha wants to challenge Jesus here. She wants to know why Jesus delayed his arrival. See, verse 22 tells us she still believes that Jesus enjoys unique access to God the Father, but she wants answers. And in this, Martha basically defies a common stereotype of faith. See, faith in our world is often seen to be the quality of unthinking people who cannot cope with the real world, who cannot cope with tough questions, who simply want to believe that everything will be all right in the end. But you see here, Martha doesn't fit that stereotype. She has questions and she wants Jesus to answer them. She's a practical woman and she needs a faith that is solid, a faith that is real and a faith that works. So she challenges Jesus. And you see, Jesus allows Martha to challenge him. But very quickly in the course of their conversation, Jesus responds to her challenge by actually challenging her in response. Verses 23 to 24. Jesus said to her, Your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection in the last day. You see, at first, Jesus' response seems insensitive to Martha. And we can detect impatience in her reply. But then in verses 25 to 26, Jesus makes it clear that he's not just offering platitudes to Martha. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? See, Jesus isn't offering platitudes. Jesus wants Martha to see that it's not enough for her to believe that there will be a resurrection from the dead. Martha is a good Orthodox Jewish woman. She believes that at the last day, the dead will rise. But Jesus tells her that's not enough to have that Orthodox belief in life after death. See, the challenge in Jesus' words is, will Martha recognise that the only guarantee of eternal life can be found in him. The only way she can be sure of eternal life is through trusting in Jesus. See, if Martha wants answers, Jesus is saying. If Martha wants a faith that is solid and that works, Jesus is saying, then he says, the only faith that works is faith in me. See, Martha started out by challenging Jesus for not coming sooner. But very quickly, Jesus responds by challenging her. Do you believe this? Do you believe me? And so often, that is still how Jesus works. So often, Jesus is not content just to field our questions, our struggles, our difficult issues. In response, Jesus asks questions of us. You need to see here that, that Jesus is big enough and gracious enough 
to take our questions. He nowhere rebukes Martha for asking this, or for Mary later on, for how they are feeling. He allows them to question him. But we need to see here also that when we question Jesus, we have to be ready for Jesus to question us in return. As we've seen already this morning, the heart of Jesus' question is what we make of him ultimately. Is the Jesus we believe in able to overcome even death? Is the Jesus we believe in strong enough to carry us through pain and grief and suffering? Will we acknowledge that he is our only hope? That while we may question him, we also need to trust in him. I am the resurrection, Jesus says. I am the one who can overcome death and who will overcome death for anyone who believes in me. And I am the life, Jesus says. I am the only one who can offer eternal life. And in the Bible, eternal life is not a quantity of life, but a quality of life. Jesus is the only one who can offer us eternal life with his Father in heaven. Eternal life that will delight in finally understanding God's purposes in our lives. Those purposes that we so often do not understand here and now. Do you believe this? Jesus asked Martha. Do you believe this? Jesus asks us. And Martha's response comes in verse 27. Yes, Lord, she told him. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who was to come into the world. See, Martha is still grieving here. Martha still does not understand why Jesus did not come earlier to heal her brother. She doesn't claim to know or understand God's will for her life in a full sense. But what she does know is that Jesus is the Christ, is the Son of God, and so she will trust in him. And that's the response Jesus asks of all of us this morning. Will we trust in him and in his words, even in the midst of pain and doubt and questions, even in the face of death? Will we recognize that Jesus is the Son of God, that he is good and that he knows what he is doing in our lives? And will we recognize that his purposes for his people are good? See, Jesus asks a lot of Martha here. He asks her to believe that he can overcome death when he has just let her brother die. And there will be times when we will feel Jesus asks a lot of us to believe in him when we simply cannot understand why he is allowing certain things to happen. To believe in him when we feel totally out of control of our lives and things seem to just be going from bad to worse. Jesus asks a lot of us when he calls us to believe in him. But as the rest of this chapter shows us, Jesus also gives a lot to us. Jesus gives himself to us. He gives his heart to us and he gives his power to us. Because up to verse 27, we've seen Jesus 
as a Jesus who surprises his people. He's a Jesus who challenges his people. But in verse 28, we see Jesus as a person who weeps with his people. See, we're beginning to believe that Jesus' ways are so mysterious in this story as to be unfeeling. Then these verses show us just how wrong we are. See, Jesus has left Martha in no doubt. He is the resurrection and the life. He is the Son of God. He has God's power on earth. But here, in these verses, he also shows himself to be the God of all compassion, who loves his people deeply and who shares in their suffering. Compassion literally means to suffer alongside someone else. And that is what Jesus shows himself to be in these verses. So in verse 28 and following, we see Jesus' encounter with Mary, Martha's sister. And it is a very different encounter than the one he had with Martha. Verse 32. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And notice that Jesus doesn't challenge Mary. There's no theological discussion here. Jesus knows Mary. He knows that that is not what she needs from him. Mary voices the same reproach as her sister, but before asking it, she falls at Jesus' feet. She is overcome with her grief and her loss. And Jesus' response to her grief is astonishing. Verse 33. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, He was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? He asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. See, this is the Son of God. This is the resurrection and the life. And yet in verse 35, Jesus weeps. Verse 33 tells us Jesus was deeply moved in spirit and troubled by the grief he sees around him. And a better transition of that could be that Jesus was outraged in spirit and troubled. The Greek word carries with it a sense of anger here. Jesus is outraged in spirit and troubled. He is not left cold by the grief of Mary and the other mourners. He is moved to anger by it. And it's not anger at the mourners. It's anger at the pain and devastation that death has brought to those mourners. Jesus is angered at the sight of Mary weeping because it should not be that way. Death should not be allowed to cause such misery. Death should not be allowed to have the last word. Jesus knows here that death is the result of our sin, of our rejection of God. Because of our rebellion, we are cut off from eternal life. And throughout his ministry on earth, Jesus shows a different way of life. He brings in the kingdom of God, a kingdom where death and illness and sin no longer have the upper hand. And yet, here was Mary, a beloved friend of Jesus, at his feet, weeping over the loss of her brother. And Jesus' response is to weep with her. Verse 35, the shortest verse in the Bible but two words that when you put them together would have astonished John's original readers. 
And they should astonish us today. Jesus wept. The Son of God wept. The resurrection and the life wept. See, we know the end of this story. We had it read out to us earlier. We know that Jesus is able to raise Lazarus from the dead. But Jesus' tears teach us something vitally important. That even the knowledge of resurrection hope does not remove the reality of weeping and mourning in the face of death. See, why are funerals so sad? Why were the funerals I went to of the people I described earlier so painful for for me, for those involved? The people who died were Christians. They knew Jesus. And I know that they are with Jesus now as surely as we are sitting here together. But Jesus shows us here that death is still painful. We should be saddened by death. It is right to mourn and to weep. Because death is the biggest sign of the presence of sin in our world. The biggest sign of our rejection of God and it should cause us to weep. Death separates loved ones. So it is right to weep. I sometimes feel that Christians, we feel forced to to almost smile in the face of death. to, To force ourselves to sing joyful songs in the face of death. Let's be clear, Paul is clear in 1 Thessalonians, we don't grieve like other men who have no hope, but we do still grieve. See, Jesus wept for his friends, and he allows us to weep for our friends as well. See, this compassionate, weeping Jesus, is this the Jesus you believe in this morning? We can all too easily fall into the trap of thinking of Jesus enthroned in heaven, untroubled and unmoved by the things that trouble and move us. But we need to listen to John here. We need to see Jesus weeping. Because this is our God. This is our Jesus. A man of sorrows, familiar with suffering. And he will not leave us alone to suffer alone. Jesus weeps with his people. And that is an amazing truth for us to grapple with. The Jesus we call on this morning is a Jesus familiar with mourning and with loss. But as we come to the end of this passage, we see also that while Jesus weeps, he also shows his power. While Jesus weeps, he is not impotent in the face of death. Jesus shows himself to be fully human in his response to Mary. He does the most human thing he could do in that context. He cries with her. But then he goes on to do the thing that only God can do. He goes on to do something to show himself to be fully divine. He takes death on and he defeats it. Jesus shows himself to be powerful. Verse 38 to 39. Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Martha, but Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odour, for he has been there for four days. 
So we've seen this morning, Martha's faith is strong. She believes that Jesus is the Christ. But, but the, the reality of the death of her brother is just too much for her to overcome. She just feels her practical nature has to step in. But then, verse 40, Jesus' authority is too much. He tells them to move away the stone. Jesus prays a prayer that reflects his desire to bring glory to his Father. And then Jesus does what only God can do. Verse 43. When he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out. See, with just the power of his words, Jesus raises Lazarus back to life. He calls him by name and Lazarus responds. Jesus brings glory to the Father and he proves beyond a shadow of a doubt that he loves this family. He really does have the power and authority over death. And in raising Lazarus, he shows to all of us he is the resurrection and the life. He can give life to us even when we die. So as we come to the end of this story, I want to ask us the question we began with. Do you believe this? Is this the Jesus that you have faith in? See, some of us think of Jesus as a figure in white who glides over human history, thinking only of himself, unmoved by the things that move us. If that is how you feel about Jesus, you need to see here. Jesus understands our pain, our grief. He is compassionate. He suffers along with us. He is the God who weeps. But he is also divine. And we need to see that as well. We sometimes like the idea of Jesus being like us. But we are scared of his divinity. But here we see he uses his divinity for good, out of love for us, to bring glory to himself. Jesus is God's son and he has God's power. And he is not only to be admired by us, not only to be respected by us, he is to be worshipped and obeyed by us. He calls on us to believe in him, even in the face of suffering and death. And he invites his people to trust in him and experience the life only he can give us. See, death will not have the last word for those who believe in Jesus. Through knowing Jesus, we know that death has been defeated. We're thinking about that at this time of year. But the challenge for us is, will we believe that? Will we recognize Jesus for who he is, not who we might imagine him to be? Will we rob him of his power? Or will we trust in him, the Jesus who does surprise us, who can challenge us, but he also suffers alongside us and he overcomes death for us. See, Jesus is an unsettling person. When we meet him and trust in him, we will never be the same again. But this Jesus... The Jesus who surprises, challenges, 
suffers alongside and overcomes death. He is the only Jesus worth worshipping. The only Jesus worth trusting in this Easter. Do you believe this? Do you believe in him?